Welcome back to another episode of The Messy Truths. Today, we welcome back Shuyin, founder of Three Pumpkins and chief of Tatakut Kids Club. We're excited to continue the conversations about holding space and community building for children and youth, especially those in vulnerable communities. Shuyin, welcome back to The Messy Truths. Thank you. Happy to be back. We 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 had a really good conversation the last time. I I, I really enjoyed our time together talking about TTKC, uh, the children. We we talked. I I love the conversation where we said that it's important to enter the, the the children's space to build trust to understand what makes them, what really connects with them. Um, and you were sharing about the Gertai that came up. You were sharing a little bit about how Mahjong clubs came about <laughs> uh, to, to, uh, to a certain extent. Um, one of the phrases that we, we sort of ended and wanted to talk more about is this idea of uh, holding space. We talked about the idea of safe space uh, in the last episode. Um, how would you define a holding space, which is a really the, the, a big thing in what you are doing right now. So for listeners listening in um, who don't understand what holding space would mean, how would you describe uh, holding space uh, to people? When I first started the work, I don't have a physical space. So I use the playground as a space. So how do I hold space is that I am present. So I am myself is a space. Yeah. When I come in, actually, I change the space. Because once I go in, I change the dynamics. Yeah, so just by your presence, and I always joke that, you know, the best person to hold space, who hold space the best in the playground in any public spaces is people who make bubbles. <laughs> so you go down with a bubble-making machine, right? <laughs> then you can have a lot of people around you, you know. You're like a pipe piper. Pipe even, pi even adults will come. Even adults will come. Yeah. I mean, pipe piper is someone who holds space just with music. You get a whole group of people, yeah. Um... So yeah, so when I first started, uh, and there's a program called Let's Go Play Outside. The idea of holding space is just that I am present. I'm present here every Saturday at 4.30 to maybe 7.30. And when you come here, you see me. And that connection, you and me come down together at 4.30 is holding that space. And because we hold that space, more people will come. And then that relationship holds space. That time spent together is a space. Actually, I learned this from Little Prince. Ah. <laughs> you know the chapter with the fox and the boy? Yeah. The fox was teaching the boy how to make friends. You come here every day at the same time. That's how you're going to tame me. That's how I learned from Little Prince when we did uh, Let's Go Play Outside. Then after that, I realized that, oh, maybe mm, we need to spend more time together. <laughs> then I started a physical space. A physical space. And I, I thought the physical space is important because, um, I mean, as much as we love the playground, there's limitations to things that you can do. So I was having problems like, oh, I have to apply permit to build something. <clears throat> and even if you build something, it is transient. Um, the, the, ch the children or the community actually need a longer time to make uh, their own space. Yeah. And then uh, space is also means facilities. Yeah, so we will, let's say, build a kitchen that you can express yourself. We build a maker space, you can express yourself. And this is not uh, so volatile, you know, this space. Yeah, there's some kind of permanence, which, which is what this sort of co this community needs. Because they, they do feel there's a lot of instability in their life. Maybe it's like um, fam broken families, having to move a lot. Um, 
and maybe it's also you know jobs they might lose their jobs things like that so the the this causes a lot of stress and having a fixed physical space fixed open time you actually create a sense of permanence uh, stability and so the children know that oh five o'clock where can I go uh, I can go there I will always see the same people there will be a same supportive environment and I can be at ease for a while yeah when we were growing up that permanence was 3 p.m watching Sesame Street and then electric company and then three to one contact you you sort of every weekday you there is a place for that and for the, the older folks on the weekends you'll be late I saw on Red Diffusion 10 a.m on a Saturday we uh, lost it no yes so I, it's I, not I even to say yeah that. so it's not even not just for the we say like low income uh, children it's we, across everybody lost it we don't have a common time to do a certain thing together That's right. yeah very much so I, I I really like the concept of permanence um, because I think you brought up an important point in that a lot of children uh, one of the things we tell donors and and uh, folks in the in in the charity space in particular is that there are really different realities for different people um, the last thing we need to do in this space is to see people through our own reality for some of us we have 7 p.m dinner every day a lot of families don't have that opportunity to have 7 p.m. dinners. Uh, they come home different times. Dad comes on at 10 o'clock and that's where he has his dinner. Children have to go to school the next day and so on. And sometimes dinner is a one-dish meal. Um, so if we can see people from their realities, which mm. is very similar to what we're talking about children, it changes the way we look at intervention. Yeah, um, yeah. And you a lot of children face that. Mm. Like this, um, this reminds me of the, this how we handling COVID, right? I mean, we talk about isolation. Um, I mean, home isolation. But in these families, you have like 10 people living in a two-room flat. So you have... So this, this home isolation is just not possible. Yeah. In terms of... So we, we always like the idea and, and, I, and I love when I, when I hear how the progress has been. You started by holding space at the playground and then now you have your own physical space. And that allow you to build community kitchen, mahjong, getai, and all this. And, and that's all great progression, right? So I want to come to that. But sometimes when we look at progression, sometimes we lose and we miss something as well. What do you think that you miss? Or are there anything that you miss when it was just a playground? Was life simpler? Uh, did you manage to do things that you can't replicate today? Um, it's always a trade-off. So so I'm, I'm kind of uh, curious in terms of of in, in real life, like sometimes growing is not the only way forward, right? There's a trade-off in terms of us moving to a different level. Are there certain things that you feel that you have traded in because you now have a physical space instead of just being at the playground? I think when we're at the playground, uh, we, we are, it's very focused. We will meet every Saturday and only for three, four hours. And, you know, the people will look forward to that time spent together. They will cherish that time better. And you know that, that for our we're just going to play. Yeah, we're going to have fun. Um, maybe we're not going to talk so much about our problems. Maybe that won't happen later. But you're very focused that for our we're going to have fun. But once you have a physical space, I mean, it's great that, you know, we can do a lot more relational work, developmental work. But the whole thing about kampong spirit, you know, sometimes we, we, we romanticize it, uh. But when you have a kampong, you're going to have a lot of problems. Yes. <laughs> kampong spirit comes with kampong problems. Yes. So now we have a kampong. 
every day we have to deal with problems. But before we have the kampong, we, when we meet, it's like, wow, like, it's basically like romance, lah, you know, like, wow, have fun. So now it's like getting married. <laughs> then you don't worry about this, that, ah, that thing spoil. What? Who spoil that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we're at this point where uh, we are like married to the community, right? Then problems come. Uh, but we have to... And the trade-off is that we, we lost that... Uh, I mean, I don't think we lost it. I think we still have to remember that fun that yep. we had and keep it. So the difficulty is actually finding that middle path. Yeah. Yeah. So that you don't become a... You know, because of all these problems that uh, occurs in the community, you start to develop some sort of SOP. Then you probably then become another organization with a lot of SOP, which we don't want. Yeah. So you still have to remember that freedom that we had, the kind of... The, the, the time where we always make mistakes and have fun. But at the same time, there's some sort of discipline... There's some sort of boundaries, mm-hmm. yeah. And when you, when you were first holding space at the playground, it really doesn't mean that the problems that you see today weren't there. Mm. It's just that there wasn't enough time for those problems to surface. And yes. what you have done in now having a physical space, um, and it goes back to our previous conversation in the last episode, um, really talking about how because you are working with them on a daily basis now, there's a sort of trust being built. And with trust comes that vulnerability. It comes with that ability to say, you know, let me share with you what's happening and so on. And it allows you to go in deep into the community in ways that you otherwise never had before. Yeah, I think when you when you go there, like a playground, like a, once a week, I mean, you probably hear stories from them. And you also, I mean, as a community worker, you, and especially when if you are more inexperienced, you take in everything as a truth, you know. But once you spend enough time with them, you realize that maybe that's 50% truth. Mm. Because like we say, the messy truth, right? Yep. That's only the truth from the kid's perspective. There's also the family perspective, the school perspective. Then you realize that, wow, this is very complicated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think in order to solve, if you want to think about social impact, you want to solve a person, a deep-seated problem, right? You have to go that deep. Mm. Yeah. Mm. If I were to ask you to share one story about TTKC, one, one kid that really springs to mind when you say, you know what, seeing the development of this kid or, you know, seeing the story of this kid or this group of kids um, really gives you the, the most amount of pain at the same time also the more amounts of satisfaction to say this is why we are doing what we're doing. It normally comes hand in hand, right? So mm-hmm. I don't want to, I mean, the one thing about this podcast is I don't want to romanticize doing good because... There is, there is pain involved. <laughs> There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into doing good. Mm, mm. Um, so is there a, a story that, that you can think of that really was difficult for you, but you know, over time you actually saw the fruits of the labor that your team has put in? I think we are at this point where we have a lot of problems. Um, in terms of, uh, f- we are talking about the fruits of success, how do we define that? You know, the kids, maybe they can improve one day and you see, wow, this is, this is they, are, they are a bit like a plant, you know? Uh, you don't see that improvement and you keep saying, wow, they're always doing naughty things. And then one day, suddenly, they become very good at something. For instance, like this person is not interested in anything, but he comes down every day. Um, he is maybe just not involved, not, not engaging. 
and this this is a real story. So we have uh, a kid. I mean, not kid lah. He's like quite old already. He had been sitting outside TTKC for one whole year, and he was re- refusing to be engaged. You know, you just say hi and all that. So one day, after one year of sitting outside and not talking to us, he decided to come in. Yeah, and uh, then we started talking, and then we realized that he's very good at gardening. Uh, he has been growing his own garden, home garden outside his house. Then we involve him in becoming a gardener in TTKC. And you see this person after one year, two year, they he, he suddenly just bloom. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't mean that there's no problem. There's still problem every day. Yeah. You know, he get into trouble with the adults and then, yeah. Sorry, it is a difficult question to answer because of... Uh, <laughs> The messy truth again, yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's not... And the reason why we ask that question is exactly your response. Mm-hmm. There are some who have one story, like in this case, it's multiple, but there's that one kid uh, that comes to you, but it's, it doesn't mean that... It doesn't mean that things are solved. It doesn't you just mean that, see, yeah. You just see progression, you just see development... I was just about. I was laughing when you're talking about is like plants. You certainly have very good plants. Plants, plants with me, they don't blossom. They just die. So it's not a metaphor. I want to use <laughs> any of my projects, uh, but I, I I fully understand what you mean. But the thing with plant is that you think that they are dead, but they can still revive if you give the right thing. Yeah, so you can do it. My plants, thank you for saying that. <laughs> but it's the same with the children. You know, like wow, this is why 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 what am I doing? Am I doing something wrong? But you realize that, okay, there's a lot of factors. I mean, the sunlight is not right and all that. This thing looks like it's dying, but just don't give up on it. You know, mm. we try something, try something. And then maybe they'll blossom again. Yeah. Dr. Tan Lai Yong uh, was sharing this story with us, uh, with a group, part of the 40 under 40 group. He was taught, saying that, you know, when he was in Yunnan, he was asking the farmers, when is the best time to farm, to, to plant? And the farmers say, plant during winter. So he was thinking to himself, like, why? Why would you plant during winter? You know, the snow comes and so on. And the farmer basically said that this is exactly what you want. When you plant, you want the snow to come, it covers it. You don't see anything coming out. But during that time, what actually happens is they're growing roots. So when spring comes, when you start seeing the, 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 the growth, and when you can't time for harvest, you get really solid plants because they have enough time to grow roots. And and when you were talking about that story, about the stories and about the metaphors of plants, this this imagery really came up, right? That sometimes when we work with children, especially, we just don't know the amount of roots that's being grown uh, through the experiences that you have, uh, which, which I think is really cool. How how do you balance that? I mean knowing that sometimes it takes a long time before the roots are grown, but you also have um, their, their, what do you call that, their individual needs to a certain extent. You also have organizational needs. So is there a difficulty to balance? Um, how, how would you say, how, how would you reconcile if one is in conflict of the other, if it ever happens? I think TDKC formalized when we realized that the work is uh, required, that the main ingredient in the work is time. Mm. You actually need to put people on the ground and have enough time with the kids, even though sometimes things are not happening. Like we say, it looks like it's not happening, but we don't know what roots are growing. So all these are actually put in our sort of KPI. So it's very process based. 
Yeah, that means that we don't pack our performance to, you know, wow, this person gets certificate or we're going to put our art performance. But it's a lot of daily observation of how a child has progressed, how has his relationship grow, and how does that impact him, his, his own development or his perception about things. So the organisation needs, I mean, the, the way that we apply for funding, we speak to funders, is that we really tell them that this is the work needed. Actually, you need people to have time, yeah, and, and, and see that as a work. People being present, we talk about holding space. Holding space is the work. Mm. The work is not to teach them something. Yeah, The work is not to make sure that they get a certificate because that actually doesn't mean anything at some point yeah. or so. You, you are extremely passionate about this. You, 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 speak from a, you speak from a place where that you almost feel that this is what you're called to. You, you, you're passionate. This is your community. These are your children. Um, how replicable is that sense that that ethos uh, to other volunteers how many volunteers do you have to manage the 40 kids that come on a regular basis um, and how do you impart that ethos to the volunteers that come and help you we have uh, maybe three volunteers facilitators that comes daily and they and the way that we accept volunteers is that they must be committed to come weekly once a once a day and over a period of time, I think it's at least uh, three months. I think I would say minimum three months. Lah. You have to commit weekly because that's when you really understand the work um, and the ethos of the work. Yeah. In fact, I was also thinking, I mean, now we are looking at how do we uh, do the onboarding experience mm. with volunteer, right? This is very funny because some of my youth go to McDonald's to work. <laughs> So I learned from them, oh, how, how does McDonald's do their onboarding? So if you are a part-timer, you have to be there every day for the first week just to understand the whole system um, of how, what's the ethos of McDonald's, lah, basically, before you can become a part-timer. That means that, okay, you can even just come once a week or no, irregular. But that first week, you have to come in intensive and understand what the work is about. Because I think the nature of the work is that uh, you can't, read a framework. You can't read a book. Lah. I mean, you can write whatever you want, a kind of framework guideline, but you understand it on paper. But when you actually experience it, it's very different. Yeah. So, I mean, to answer a question about how did, how rep, how to replicate this, yep. people really need to experience it on the ground. True. Yeah. And spend that time. Time again, you have to spend that time on the ground and see what we are doing and be motivated. I mean, this thing, this thing is almost like peer influence. Lah. You see how passionate I am. Maybe you will want to do it, mm. or maybe you realize that wow, this is this is just too scary for me. You know, I don't want to deal with all this thing. Maybe I go and do other things, lah. Yeah, it's it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Yeah, yeah. you mm. you started at Topayo, mm. and then you have you had something at Lengkok Bahru, um, and then now in Bonle. Um I'm assuming that the first two is not running anymore. Not running anymore. So, tell us a little bit about the experience of that move. Okay. Is it because oh. of the community that you're in? Um, because sometimes it's not just the the success part of it. It's also what we learn from uh, what went well, what went wrong to a certain extent. So, um, what were some of the learnings that you have? What What do you think uh, led to where you are today through mm. the experience that you had in the first two places? 
The first place in Topayo, I mean, when I go there, I, I mean, as shared in the first episode, right? It was basically that I was, I feel that, okay, in the arts sphere, uh, in the arts sector, we wanted to do, make arts more accessible, but we're not really doing it. So let's try that at Topayo, bring it to a rental flat area and then try it out. So then I was then became more confident of the practice. So I was really focusing on children, not too much on their, their supporting the, the other system. When I moved to Lengkok Baru, actually I was studying a lot on the SSA. I was studying how um, the Family Service Centre was engaging the kids, how the other ground-ups, other organisations, and Lengkok Baru is this place where you know, a lot of people, I mean, there are many organisations yes. serving this community. So I was studying how they work. Then I, then I realised, okay, there are some strengths, there are some gaps, okay, basically they are not communicating, communicating with each other, kind of problems. So there are some problems in the social service sector or how we think we want to support the children and then maybe the support is not going there lah, or maybe it is. So that learning then goes into Boonle. So that's why in Boonle, then we are, I think then I know better how to work with other partners. So like I, I would, um, if there are something that I feel that maybe children's society can do better in terms of befriending because this kid really need a social worker, then I will work with children's society to come in. So we are in this thing called Comling. Mm. Yeah. So Comling is this uh this this uh, sort of network where different organizations, the SSO, the schools come together and we share data and see how we can uh, complement each other. And it's very much the vision of Comlink to be like a hub and spoke where where all the information or the partnerships mm. so that the beneficiaries don't fall to the cracks. It, yeah. it allows families to really be reached by different players, really serving different needs. So I'm really glad to hear that uh, you guys are part of that ecosystem. What's next for TTKC? What's next? I think uh, one of the things is that, uh, I, uh, I mean, I, I realise and it's a very big problem that I'm the biggest liability to the work <laughs> because if I'm not around, then who is going to do the work, right? So it's really um, now is to have clone yourself. Yeah, clone myself. Yes, uh, to have more people to do the work and create that space. Actually, now I'm actually holding a lot of times my work now is holding space for the people doing the work, because like newcomers who are interested in doing community work, they may not know all this complication. They might run into a lot of tension mm-hmm. um, or misunderstanding. Then I have to hold that space to for them uh, to to learn about the work. Yeah, um, so um, in the next um, three years, I think it's really to, um, yeah, so called clone myself to get more people involved and to work with different partners. Mm. Because I think then, I think now we realize there are many different needs. Uh, so there could be like a learning support. So for instance, maybe I, I you know, I, I realize that the kind, best kind of learning support for these kids probably is like they come down. And they do a, drill, a kind of drill, maths, math, math drill or, or reading for 15 minutes, run off to play, come back and learn 15 minutes again. This is probably what we will do with our kids. Um, then how do we deliver that kind of support that really can help them? Because this is probably, this is probably, this work, but it's a, like a logistic nightmare. Yeah. Some children, maybe they need to go for Muay Thai class because they are always fighting in the playground. They are hurting each other. Okay, then how do we bring a partner <laughs> for this? Yeah, Some kids, maybe they just need to go out. Even maybe they need to go forest school. 
Um, so now I think is we are looking at growing people, so both the adults and the children. So partnership is going to be key for you. Yeah. In terms of just bringing the relevant resources for the children. Yeah, because I think for me, um, as a, the background in arts producing, or Three Pumpkins as a community arts company, I think we are um, pretty confident with arts-based stuff, but it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, that's mm. true. There are different needs. There are also different challenges and also very different solutions. Yeah. Um, not there's, there's really no more one-size-fit-all. That's It's... Many helping hands approaches is really true to it. It's not that it's just like sounds nice, but we really can't solve things on our own anymore. Yeah, I think maybe the one of the issue that we, I mean, we, we do talk about this collective integrated uh, support, right? Whether it's Comlink or, or yeah. Um, maybe the, the work that is lacking, and I think this is something that TTKC is doing, is this outreach. People doing outreach and engagement and finding mm. the emerging needs on the ground. And communicating that, I think the, the voices in the ground to the former agencies, the service-based uh, organization, yeah. because they are not connected directly to the ground. So I think we need to bring, yeah, develop this this area of work, the community outreach yeah. work. Yeah, and and that's and that's really the reason why for us at Majority Trust we we are wanting to invest in ground-up groups because you're much closer to the ground to a certain extent. You can do rapid prototyping. You can try. You have uh, agile to a certain extent. From your perspective, in the community that you are in, what do you think is the biggest gap? What is the gap that is probably the most pressing concern for you? It, it can be it can be Bonlay specific, right? Which is the, the the sort of the sphere that you're working in. Are there things that concerns you, like like that you're worried about trends that you are seeing that, hey, if we don't do something, then things may not be very well in time to come. I think there needs to be, um, uh, I mean, I think currently in, in the neighborhood I'm in, um, the organization that is doing very intensive outreach daily um, is TTKC. But TTKC is limited because we also want to find more focus for the 10 to 14 year old, right? But 10 to 14 year old means they are also influenced by older, uh, older kids and older adults. So I think we also need... Um, other community groups to come in and engage this age group mm. because otherwise it's also very challenging for us because the uh, the bigger environmental factor is so strong yeah so I do see the pressing need is to have more people to come in like almost like balancing the yin and yang in the, uh, in the neighborhood yep. like that because yeah. there are there are external forces mm. if you will that are wanting to recruit these kids. They, they are active in their outreach. Yes, yeah. We were talking about it earlier. You want to share a little bit about some of the things that you're seeing on the ground? We recently, for example, have a lot of issues with vaping. Um, we also have uh, received very angry comments from community that um, TTKC has become a space where um, gangs could come in and recruit youth. Yeah, I mean, this is something that uh, happens outside center opening hours. Yeah, but because we are, you know, again, kampong spirit means kampong problem, right? So we, we, we have all this, a pool of youth here. That means they are also e easy targets for people to recruit as runners. And they are very impressionable. They need the cash. They need the, everyone crave for attention. Yeah, and this is attention given. This is cash given. So they are also very easily recruited to the gangs. Yeah. So and it's a real it's a real issue in 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 the community they're in. Yes, gangs. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
So this is something that we, I think all community workers want to, uh, especially with youth work, um, we'll have to, um, it's, it's, it's a challenge that we face now. So now I'm also thinking about how in in the work that we do, how can we um, work better with the police? Yeah, because I think the police have always been quite removed. Mm. Whether we talk about, when we talk about social service, uh, the social service sector, and even in Comling, how can we uh, work better with the police? Yeah, so this is one of the things that I'm looking into. Cool. Mm. What are some of the things then you are looking forward to? Uh, we've talked about the challenges. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to? I think, yeah, looking forward to, this is like, well, I'm feeling happier now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we like to end yeah. our episodes at least on a happier note. Yes, yes, that? yes. I mean, we, we have, uh, I mean, we, we do see that very specific challenges. We also see specific potential and development for the, the community. So for example, our girl Thai group, right? We already have like about 10 of them who are very involved and they have, um, you see that potential for them to go into a, a program so this is where they, yeah, they are ready to learn something. So like five of them are going to a drama camp in during the holidays. That's so They're cool. going to SRT to, to for a five-day drama camp um, so that they can learn something and they bring it back to their TTKC girl Thai. Yeah, so we have also, also identified small interest group, you know, like our cosplayers. Then they can go into a learning program to upgrade their skills and bring it back to the community. So this this sort of development is always you know very happy la, to see the kids yeah to to do that that they they recognize they have a skill they have a community small community that share the same interest and they go and join the program and upgrade and come back and contribute because they love to show right yeah and contribute yeah that's really nice mm. well we really hope that you can clone more of yourselves <laughs> all across Singapore if if someone wants to get in touch with you, either the volunteer or a donor who wants to support what you're doing, how can they get in touch with you? You can go to the Three Pumpkins website, www.threepumpkins.co. Three as in the number three. Number three, yeah. Okay, so mm. you want to repeat that again? Triple W? Triple W dot number three, pumpkins dot C-O. Dot C-O. Mm. And they can reach out to you to see if they want to volunteer or to explore even supporting what you are doing. Or maybe... Someone listening to this podcast may say, hey, I, I want to be cloned. I have a community of kids and I want to learn how to hold space. Great. They'll yeah. be able to reach out to you and learn mm. more about it. Yeah, but remember that time is of the essence. Um, time, time is the essence here. Yeah? You need to give time to really understand what the work is about. Mm. No, I, I like that very much because the ability, the ability to hold space isn't a resource. It's a res isn't a physical resource. It's really a time resource mm. because you can really hold space anytime, anywhere, as yeah. long as you're dedicated to it. Mm. We're chatting with Lin Shuyin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank the you. Truths. It has been a delightful, delightful conversation. Um, this is actually the second podcast that we have. If you are interested in listening to the first podcast, uh, just go on a Messy Truths um our page and you'll be able to find our previous episode we've been talking to Lin Shuyin founder of Tree Pumpkins and they run Taktakut Kids Club a community space in Bunleif really focusing on building relationships among children this has been an episode of The Messy Truths do subscribe to find out more episodes regarding other causes and other issues uh, in Singapore <laughs>